pulled out a recent prophecy. I won't be expounding on that today, but a recent prophecy that was prophesied to me in 1986, be 30 years ago this December. And it was from, if you're kind of watching things, it was from Kim Clement, who's, who's known as a prophet. He was known then as a prophet, but he was like in his 20s. And it's a very powerful prophecy that I don't share with everybody, but but one of the things that he prophesied was probably the time we're in right now for me personally. And he said, I'll send you helpers. It's been really interesting to watch the process. It's kind of like the world events, you know, they're going on right now and we have to be aware of the times, but we can't get absorbed by all that. And somehow I'll maybe hit that today, but it seemed like the sins of the time, you know, we talk about sins, you know, people worried about Ten Commandments are worried about this. What What is a sin? Uh, to me, it's apathy and self-absorption. Because with both of those, God is not number one. Even with believers. I mean, you know, I know that I'm when I'm speaking and they're going in this little microphone here and recorded, they're going out to a lot of people. This may not apply to you personally today. Don't be offended. But if it's for you, grab it. But... I assure you out there in the dimensions of people and the sound of my voice, these things apply. And they may apply in your own life, you just don't know it. Because you know when we're self-absorbed, it's kind of like we get so muddled up with the daily things. But what did Timothy, what, what, what did Paul say to Timothy? Well, let's turn there and look what he said to Timothy. I wasn't going there necessarily, but let's go to 2 Timothy 2 just to look at it briefly since Caleb got me started and then thanks by the way I appreciate your music yes. we are going to mic you up uh, in 2 Timothy 2 chat, uh, 3 uh, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ you know telling Timothy there's going to be a few times you're going to get hit in the face you're going to be uh, rejected you're going to be rebuked you're going to be this you're going to be that but you have to endure that with as a good soldier of Jesus Christ no one engaged in warfare entangles themselves with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Well, that, that may or may not apply to your life today, but at the same time, that entanglement is what stops a lot of people, with, uh, particularly uh, every believer but particularly those that have something in the heart that thinks they could be more. I could be more. How many of you know people that you knew in high school and said, man, that guy's got potential. He's got potential. Or then he's bragging about it. My mom said I could be the fastest guy in school, but I just don't feel like going out for track. <laughs> or if I'd study, I'd be the top student. Mm -hmm. yeah. You've all been there, heard that. I've done a couple of those things myself. <laughs> But see, there is a time down in your heart, there's something God's trying to pull you up and say, no, now is the time. And so we have to deal with what's holding us back. That's where the mirror comes in. <laughs> you know, because it's not Aunt Martha holding you back anymore. It's not your wife. It's not your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband or your kids or the banker. It's none of that. It's you that would tend to hold you back. That has nothing to do with my outline today, but see where it's where we live. 
we're living in a time, I mean, you can re you don't have to concentrate on the news, but there's no question in our nation, we're in a tough spot. But see, if we focus on how bad it is, that little still voice in your heart said, come on, got a call of God in your life, whatever it is, whatever that is, it doesn't have to be preaching or singing or, you know, some people are called just to be financiers of the kingdom. Whatever that is, there's something going to drop in your heart and how to do it. But then there's two systems. But there's two systems that we're talking about, aren't there? There's a world system and there's God's system. And I don't care what it is you feel nudging in your heart, you have a choice in both of those. You can do it God's way or you can go back to resort to the world. You know, Sandy and I, we got a lot of bruises in life, but it's most of it because I grew up in the world system. We grew up with ranching families and business families doing all of that. And everything revolved around how much money you can borrow at the right time. And it was never the right time. <laughs> when, when, uh, when the time got tough, the bank always wanted their money. But, you know, I was a, I'll say it this way, I was a good-looking guy with a smile, and I could walk into a bank, and they wanted to loan me money, and we'd pay it back. But I, we found out twice in our life, once before we were saved and once after we were walking in the Word, that there's a time that that's the, the world system to get you entrapped, give you lots of hope, excitement. Oh, great, I, I'm so excited. I got a loan today. Well, that might be good and it might be bad. That might be the trap that's going to stop you from doing something because it's an entanglement in the affairs of life. Why do I hit that? Because it is the world system right now to get you entrapped in debt. And when you're entrapped in debt, who do you owe? You owe the man, right? It may not apply to you here in the right here today, but it applies to somebody. There's another system out there. It's called God's system. And it works in every realm. And even in our realm, even, even, with, uh, even with the finances, you know, uh, we're moving on in this ministry. There's doors starting to open up that I only could dream of a year or two ago or five years ago or ten. Or, we'll, we'll be developing in, in other cities, I will tell you right now. The people attached to us would either are going to be praying for us or you're going to be with us. You're going to be riding in... In my airplane, God supplies to get us into cities to go do crusades. We're going to do it. Takes money. Takes partners. Well, I'm not here to sell partnerships today. I'm here to just tell you that God's system with money has got to do with tithing and giving. You can believe all you want to, but it gets down to investing because God's ways are basically in a sense, matching your ways. You get sold out to the Lord, he's sold out to you. I know he died for you. Jesus died for all of us. But we can just sit there all comfortable. Yeah, he died for me. <laughs> Isn't that great? I must have been really special. Well, you were, and you are. But see, there's a, there's a level of commitment then to take you on with those dreams in your heart, and it, it's got to do with going beyond yourself. Let's just go to Joshua, an old old scripture that you know about and like I say who knows we may or may not get back into some other things but it doesn't matter maybe another look at Joshua because around uh, faith circles they always like to quote Joshua 1 8 because you know it's got to do with prosperity and it is good 
But let's take another look at Joshua here. And we'll start in uh, just the first verse here. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, and you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Moses is dead. Your leader is dead. He's gone. Those are the people that you expect to tell you what to do and to lead you. They may not be there for you. He started to prepare Joshua for something beyond himself. Because it's real easy when you're following a really great, strong man like Moses. It's real easy. Just stay right there close to him, man. Lift his arms when he needed. You know, Joshua's faithful. But he's trying to explain to him something else. He's trying to explain to him Moses was raised in, with the king, the pharaoh. Moses was groomed as an educated man. He knew the ways of the world. He was eloquent. He was all these things. But there came a time in his heart when he was severed from all the eloquence and all the wealth and all the promises. He could have been anything in the world system, Pharaoh's system. He could have been Pharaoh, probably. But there came a time when his heart was severed. Something got a hold of him. And at that point, he says, I can no longer do this. I've got to do, I've got to be faithful to my God right now and faithful to my people. He went beyond himself, didn't he? He could have just sat right up there in that temple and, you know, have all the girls bathing him like, you know, those pharaohs. They just had all these women around him taking care of him and, and you know, eunuchs and all these things they have and wealth, just the best wine, the best whatever, the best. But see, he had to make a choice. But now he's made this choice and he's been a great leader. But what happened? So here we go now, just staying right on track here. Moses died. And he had all that world system grooming in there, all that education. He had a PhD in the best university in Texas. South Dakota, London. He had it. But here's Joshua. What's Joshua? Joshua's not groomed, not educated. But all of a sudden, he's got to lead two and a half million people. What if that happened to you? So let's continue on here. Uh, in verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and all the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days. Of if you look at this in a different light, you got to look at this in a different light. All, all of a sudden, you're the man. You're the woman. Call a God in your life. It's been in there ever since you knew the Lord. Maybe longer. And now today, God's trying to stand you up into what he's called you to do. Because the leader's dead, right? Now, now, I'm not dying if I'm your leader. I'm not dying. It's not that. It's just that if we're looking for somebody else to do this job... It's serious stuff. God needs every needs it. 
So if you look at these words and think about it yourself, what is he putting into you? What's been there all this time? What's laying there dormant because it's going to be somebody else? Or maybe you've been like us. You've been bruised a few times by leaders. Anybody been bruised by leaders? We have. Sandy and I could write a book on that. But we aren't going to go back and dwell on that. That's entanglement. But it was good training for today. We aren't looking to man, right? Now he's, so God is building him up, encouraging him, putting this stuff in him, you know. Uh, it might be beyond him right now, but he's been prepared. He's known someday he's got to do this. But today's the day. What Couldn't it be tomorrow? <laughs> All right, let's wait till next week, you know. They've got, a, they've got some things going on around town here. I'd rather wait till next week. Anyway, I'd, whatever. But verse 6 then. Be strong and good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give to you. Verse 7 repeats it. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do all according to all the law, or what the word of God says. But the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may prosper in whatever you do. In other words, you've been groomed. You've been taught by my best guy. So don't forget those teachings. Don't forget what has been invested in your life up to this point. But remember, be strong and courageous. What does it take when you face something new, a new challenge? You always have an option, don't you? You can run and hide. You can put it off. You can think somebody else should step up and do this. But no, there comes a day when he said, no, it's you. It's you. It's your dream. You're you. <laughs> and, he, and of course, the neat thing about it is with us today, there's always that place. Whatever he's called us to do, there's that place for it. Amen. Say amen or oh me, whatever. And then verse 8 is the real kicker. Because the book of the law, and you could say the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's not changed any today. It's not changed any today. So, we can either focus on this, Focus on the word of God that, that he has available to us. Not only that you hear from maybe ministers that you relate to and you have a witness about, but those places he leads you in your quiet time. Maybe a repetition, but I'll tell you what, a lot of my life today has been molded by those times that I was simply looking at some scripture with a curiosity. And I learned to be diligent about it instead of saying, running over to you or you or somebody else, well, what does this mean? I began to be diligent and ask the Lord what it meant. And then watch for 5, 10, 15, 20 years as he kept adding to that, putting that strength into me, building something into me. You know how I, I, I know more about my own calling, not from what prophets have said, but from the revelation knowledge that he's put in my heart to build me strength. Why do you think I end up talking about dominion a lot? Power and dominion and authority of a believer. 
because that's what he invested 30-some years into me to get it across to me and keep me solid in it. I've had others try to take me off course, try to level me out, smooth me out. But you know, every time I run into somebody that has a need and God's put something under my heart to deal with those people, I'm glad nobody smoothed me out. <laughs> Amen? Because he said to be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. Verse 9, he says, I might not command you to be strong and of good courage. You could almost get the point of it, couldn't you, Harley? You could almost grab that. I mean, even if you're slow, you could think you could grab that. He wants you to be strong and courageous. Well, somebody can be that, but you know what it is? Uh, no, uh, it's, it's you. I just think that's great because, you see, it's a concept of running from the, the, from the, the worldly, educated, refined, knowledgeable, try to come up with it, learned. It's transitioning from that to learning the ways of God through his word. Amen? How does the Bible say that we overcome? Huh? By getting a good college degree or by, you know, going downtown and have coffee every day with those people that are going nowhere, you know? <laughs> no. In Revelation, it said they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their what? Testimony. Testimony. What's that tell us? It tells us it's that word of God is working in us through the blood, but it tells us we've been out doing something. Yeah. What's your testimony? Well, I really don't have one. I've been kind of shy. I'm a little afraid of people, you know, and I just can't quite get there. Well, that's not going to work too good. That's not making you an overcomer. An overcomer is somebody that meets the challenge, whatever it is. Uh, we had a, a kind of a joyful situation this week where a friend came by that we've ministered to for good Lord, 25 years maybe. And she probably listened to this tape, but that's all right. And every, it's been like a broken record every time. It's just like always trying to help, you know, trying to minister, all these always problems are always the same, blah, 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 blah. But this girl, this lady, this mother, grandmother, she started listening to my podcast. And I'm not bringing glory on my teaching, okay? It's not the point. But she was determined, we knew this, she was at our first meeting a year ago in Sioux Falls. They came, we had a meeting there. She told us sometime in the fall, she was determined to get it after all these years, been exposed to faith words and faith teaching and all that. She says, I want to get it. Well, what's the difference between just listening and, and going through there, but you get it. How many want to get it? I want to get it. Why? I want to be effective. I want to be effective with this thing that God's put in my heart. I don't want to just wander around and, and just act like I'm a Christian and, you know, watch the world go by and be like everybody else, stay glued to Fox News all night long, worried about what are they going to do? What are they going to come and get us? You know, uh, no, I don't want to be that person. And she didn't either. She was tired of it. And then I found out that it was kind of a funny story because her husband was telling about hearing a man's voice coming out of her bedroom. They said, well, there's, is there a man in her bedroom? And then he said, that sounds like Co. 
She go, he goes in there and she's playing my podcast underneath the pillow all night long. She says, I want to get it. Okay, she shows up here this week and we don't know what, what are we going to expect? Is another one of those counseling sessions that, <laughs> you know, they're friends. But you know what? She's changed. She gets in a situation where the Spirit of God came on her in, a, in an office and, and that God brings this girl before that needs deliverance. And it's like, I was hearing a whole different person. How come? And she's not listening just to me either. Let me get that straight. Because she got set free many years from a, another minister in a meeting in Florida, something like that. She went and dug up some podcasts with him. She's hungry. She's hungry. She wants to be strong and courageous. She wants to be effective. I was so pleased. I was so, it just blessed me to see the fruit of the word taking root in somebody's life. And if you've done any ministering, you know what I'm talking about. It's just like, wow, that's cool. It's working. I had another story that popped up and I just found out more about that this morning. Uh, there's a couple of really neat people in our life and I had the privilege of leading them to the Lord many years ago and so on. But we had a testimony that's on the phone. Came in on Facebook last night from a girl that we got saved back years ago. She's a, she's a wonderful person and they're great, great cowboys. Anyway, they, their mother has a cook in a restaurant. And so he has a hernia. A lot of pain, but he's trying to make it through the summer, and the pain was horrible. And a few days ago, evidently, that pain was getting so bad. And he's trying to stay in there because he knows if he goes to get this hernia operated on, he's going to be out for at least, what they say, three or four weeks, whatever. And he just couldn't afford to be missing the income and all that stuff. Well, they got so sick here two or three days ago that they just had to say, look, you got to go to the emergency room. Well, on the way to the emergency room, He's going down there and the pain's racking him and I, I don't, we've got it on there, but it's like, uh, he just reached out and he said, Lord, you gotta help me with this pain and, and heal me in Jesus name. I just ask you to do it. Just like that, pain was gone, turned around the road, and went back and went to cooking, healed. So I was talking to my friend this morning, called me, his sister, you know, or the brother. Anyway, he said, yeah, I've been badgering about that, trying to get him to believe. Think about that, pain, can't work, don't want to go, said, look, Lord, you, it's in there. Why don't you just heal me? Okay. How hard was that? How hard was that? But see, it, it says something about the man's heart, too. You know, he may not know all the word that you know. He may not have been seasoned in anything, but his heart got hooked up with the Lord, and, and he began to expect God to help him. Isn't that amazing? Well, it's amazing grace. <laughs> However you want to look at it, I think it's awesome. And, and you know, the, and no glory to us, but I mean, those, those two characters involved were, God had told us back in the late 90s to go to Billings cold turkey and have some meetings. God supplied them. I mean, somebody showed up and gave us $1,000 just out of the blue as we were sharing the idea we're going. I didn't ask for money. I don't ask for money today. $1,000. I just looked at Sandy. I said, the room's paid for. I put a little ad up there. That's paid for. We go up there and 
you know, we didn't have thousands of people show up in this hotel in Billings. It's a meeting room. We had a, several. But these two kids, their parents brought them, and they both got saved. And they're loving God today. Did that start a big revival? No, didn't. But you see, when God puts something on your heart and you go do it, there's going to be fruit of it, fruit from it. But we have to be what? Courageous, strong, not talked out of everything, not be self-absorbed. I think that's the biggest sin of our time. And, and, and I'm talking primarily about Christians. Honestly, I hate to say it that way. I mean, people come by, they want counsel, they want to be ministered to. And it's about them. Well, people need help. They need encouragement. I know that. But see, apathy and self-absorption, I think, are the biggest sins of the day. I think you can cuss a little, drink a little whiskey and some of those things, stay out of bed with others and all that. But apathy, self-absorption, it's what about me? That country song is so good. What about me? What about me? I, I mean, it's like so many believers, that's where they're at. What about me? What about me? What about me? It's all about me. It's all about me. I don't particularly like the artists that well, but those words, are, that's where some of us live, right? Not us, but, you know, the others, those others around us. Yeah, I'll do it my way. I like that. That's correct. So, you know what? I have this powerful outline, but I think we've had some good stuff today. I think some things that have, challenge me but I will take one other thing here I want us to go read a story at the end of this because I'm just getting started on some new series but this is where we're going to just go to second kings we'll take the last few minutes and we'll we'll see something here hopefully it'll fit in today if you can figure out a way that this fits into the message do it this was a situation at second kings where you might just say it this way, King Assyria was really mad at Elisha, and, <laughs> and uh, he's going to go, he's, he ends up taking his army to Samaria, and he surrounds the city because he's going to destroy Elisha and everybody else he can. And so here's this incredible army totally surrounding this city. Israel's all he holed up in there, you know, the door's closed scared to death that's in that would that say it something like that and so in chapter one in chapter seven verse one and Elisha said hear the word of the Lord thus says the Lord tomorrow about this time a sea of flour will be sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria so an officer of whose hand the king leaned toward the man of God said look if the Lord would make windows in heaven could this thing be and he said, in fact, you will see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. The, there's a, a story connected here starting in verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate of this city that was surrounded. We are sitting here, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? And the King James it says, sit here till we die. Because they're to have leper. They're starving out there. Uh, here's what they say. If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we will die there. But if we sit here, we will die also. You ever feel like that? <laughs> 
Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of Syrians, and if they keep us alive, we shall live, and, and if they kill us, we'll die anyway. I mean, they'll die. Sandy and I were in a tough place in 1987. We had a church we'd started. It was going okay, but not great big, but we'd launched into all this real estate. We owed money that was unbelievable. We just got ourselves back into that world system, just when God was trying to get us out. We haven't been unscathed in this life. We had to learn God's ways, just like everybody. And we're sitting there, and I, that's the first time I really got a hold of that scripture. And I thought, what are we doing here? And it was like, if we sit here, we're going to die. There was no horizon for us. You know, at the time, I felt my teaching was good, you know, coming along. I was uh, knew the anointing was there from time to time. You'd think, I wanted to say always, but you know, it was time. And I was, you know, so that was an encouragement. I was getting revelation, but our life was upside down. You know, when your finances are screwed up and, and then, you know, you try to look at your wife and see her smile once in a while and you love her and, and then you can't buy enough clothes for the kids. And, and we weren't poor minded people at all. But this scripture hit me one day because I had leadings in my heart from the Lord. And that sit, hit me hard. And, and the leadings were scary, if you want to call it scary, because he wanted to take us plumb out of this country, give us a new horizon. We had no, it was, we have no idea what, where we're going. It's I-90, it's I-80, it's I-70. People say, how'd you get to Sacramento? I said, I-80. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. And I saw that and I said, do we sit here till we die? And look what happened. And they rose at twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come into the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, nobody was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of the great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. That's what the Syrians said. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight, left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. This is this, this strongest army of the day. They're not afraid of anybody, are they? What happened? What do you think happened? And then I'll leave that moment for a minute. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank, carried from it silver and gold and clothing, and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent, carried some from there, and all the way went, these guys are having a heyday. Nobody's around. All the provision of this monster army is out there. How much do you want to eat? You know, the, this, the crux of this story for today is God is looking for people that will step out and confront the enemy. He's looking for somebody to do that. You can do it with your prayer life. You can do it with your life. He's looking for somebody to confront the enemy because what happened when they boldly stood up in faith? I mean, these guys were lepers. You're not lepers. You're physically good, right? But these guys are lepers. Their life's going to end pretty soon. They're going to die anyway, aren't they? Might as well die uh, here at the gate. You want to die over there? Where do you want to die? But they made a move, and God, what did he do? He caused hosts and hosts of angels to come in and stir up that place. He caused it to sound like 20,000 chariots. It talks about that in Psalms. 
20 thousands of thousands of chariots just because they stepped out. You step out and look what happens to the enemy. They're afraid of us. I could go on in Joshua in verse 2, but I'm not, I'm not going to belabor it today. We've gone long enough. In Joshua, he declared in the second chapter, he found out these people were already afraid of the children of Israel. They're afraid of you and me too. That's the biggest ruckus in, in all the media and all the people. They're afraid of what's going to happen. The devil is afraid when God's people begin to rise up knowing who they are. We should never be in fear or shrink back of one thing. You shrink back, that's when you're going to lose your life. You go ahead with gusto. Get rid of those limitations that you placed on your own life. You, it's you that holds you back. If it's not, you need to adjust your life, get your thinking. Yeah, all right. I'm encouraged to, to just give the rest of the testimony. We were broke, and just the, the real way it was, uh, I'd known for a year some things in my heart, but I didn't know what to do about it. Came this one day, and I came home and I said, Sandy, I'm not preaching one more sermon until my life is straightened out, till I've got my finances in order, till I become a better husband to my wife and my children. I want to be a man of God that's taking care of my family. And I felt the way we were upside down at that time, they couldn't respect me. They wanted to, she loved me, and I know this isn't you, but it could be somebody. So uh, in the midst of all that, we're broke. All I know to do, just add this, I don't know what to do. We got our vehicles out front. I'm good at fixing vehicles. So uh, this old van, I just kept kind of whatever it needed, new starter, new something, new brakes. So I'd find some money and we'd do that. And I'm sitting there because we don't have any money. Phone rings. Because I'd made a commitment. I said, okay, Lord, this is it. I'm not going anywhere. To you get my life, help me get my life where I want it to be. Phone rings. Nebraska, as many of you know, I'm a spray pilot. And I don't mind telling you, I, I was at the top of my game as a, as a spray pilot. I get a call and one of my friends that flew for them was killed yesterday, that day. I said, Gary, we need you. Lonnie's dead. We need you, the people need you here. Cause I'd been, I'd been down there many seasons. Can you come and help us? And I said, how long do you need me? He said, 10 days. I said, will you pay me when I'm done? We'll pay you when you're done. Went down there, made a pot of money. I made good money. Came home, they gave me the money. We paid off the bills that we knew were ready. We get in our van and we head west into a city we'd never been in for. All I can tell you is months later, God opened up the windows of heaven for us. He blessed us financially. If I told you, it was just an amazing, amazing transition. Because we we're willing to not die by the gate, not die trying to do something somebody else said we shouldn't do, but, but by stepping out what God had put in my heart, willing to, willing to what do you want to call it, risk? No, I, I didn't feel very strong. And as we went across that desert, you know what happened to me? I'd been studying about uh, Exodus some at that time. And we're sitting out there in the desert, and we don't can't afford hotels. We got some money now, but a little bit, you know, to, to do some things. I'm sitting out there about 4 o'clock in the morning. I think we'd pulled over to sleep. About to, about to roll on into that California that had 31 million people in it. And look where I grew up, 10 people in Prairie City. Are you kidding? And I heard him say to me, I want you to possess the land. And I'm saying, 
31 million people, you want me to possess the land? But see, he wanted to take us in there and show himself who, we, who he was through us. And we didn't compromise. We went in there, started somewhere. A big church there opened up to us supernaturally. Before it was over, I was teaching in that church, but I was making more money than you can think of. I was traveling all over the U.S. I was on platforms, traded that little church thing over there. They were good people, but, you know, I'm used to 30, 40, 50 people. All of a sudden, I'm standing before hundreds, if not thousands of people. I'm just saying this because she encouraged me to tell the rest of the story. I'm just saying, do we sit here till we die? If there's more things we need to be doing, and it, it may not be the physical thing. It's moving on into that other picture that's bigger. Getting rid of those limitations. Just cutting them off, you know. The awesome uh, minister that's now gone, but he used to do the chop, you know. Some of you have seen him chopping those things off. Oh, we need to think about that. What's holding us back? And we might all be on track. There's nothing to say you're not on track. But he said, be strong and courageous. And I want to tell you something else. Out of all that, my wife fell back in love with me. Well, she never fell out of love, but, yeah, okay, the respect. I want to say it a different way. The respect came back. Isn't that something? The respect from the family, the, you know, all those things began to, it builds a different, it just, God can do stuff for us that we never thought of. God bless you. Well, it's tough when you can't pay your bills and you're trying to manage the household and several kids. I've seen people live and die because they're afraid to make the move. You have too. Afraid to step out. Fear. Just think if Joshua would have been filled full of fear, said, well, God, I believe it. I believe all that stuff you've been telling me. I think it's great, but I just can't do it. I know you've got somebody else. See, Moses almost blew it the first time because he said, well, I can't speak. So he blew it a little bit. It got him in a little trouble with God. But see, don't do that. If he's called you to do it something, he's prepared you to do it. It's in you. It's in you. Amen. Praise the Lord. No, my wife never quit loving me, and I've never quit loving her. And, and it just seemed like those kind of things elevated it. You know, in a personal way, our, our relationship got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Part of it because she saw her man willing to step up to the plate. Amen? Not, not that that fits anybody here, but it was like key. You're, you're on now. What you did, though, is you went out into you're you're on no no but you went in into the world system he he took godly principles i mean he didn't he took the godly principles that he was in his heart but he was in the, a world system of things to make some money and there's nothing wrong with that no you know? and and but what happened in that world system of things um there were side meetings called for the Lord. And and these meetings that were called for the Lord, you know, I'm telling you guys, hundreds of people would come to these, uh, we, what do we call them? Something. Believers meetings, I Believers, guess, I don't know. Something like that. And it was amazing because there were, we had, we couldn't fill the, the chairs and we, we kept getting chairs. And one lady, I was in trying to get more chairs and a lady had a baby, and she came and she said, 
I, I, I've got to come. I, I've heard. I've heard that God, I bring my baby. I bring my baby that's dying, and God can heal her. God can heal my baby. I said, you come right on up to the front. And some people ministered because there was a lot of people involved. It wasn't just Gary, but he was kind of a, in charge of it. And God used every every person that was open to minister. And I am told that whoever ministered to that baby, that baby was instantly healed. Well, what I did, I called pastors up front because yeah. okay. I was yeah. on purpose not wanting to become the issue of the meeting. I was the speaker, but I called the pastor to the front, and we received the, that, and one of the pastors prayed for that baby. The anointing was very strong in there. And then there were... This was at a convention where there was probably 12, 15,000 people at the convention, and this room filled with hundreds. I don't know. Yeah, so change of life, you know, change. <laughs> I want to make it clear of this story that I told, that when we stepped out with something God put in our heart, it was, it was, it was like a very unknown thing for us to go into a city, a land that we weren't familiar with, into monster uh, amount of people that we weren't accustomed to, but it was a leading that he gave us. When we got there, he opened up a business opportunity to us as well as opportunities to minister the gospel. But we, he bought, prospered us in business. He took us into the marketplace where we went and in the recruiting training, touching many, many lives, uh, we were able to operate that according to the word of God, which was in our hearts and we were prepared for that. So sometimes we step out, we don't know where God's going to take us, but we follow that leading, it will be fruitful. And that's the point of the message. Thank you.